Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to be amazed and awed by your love for us. Lord, I know many of us in this room, we do believe that you love us. And that's a very important part of our life. But Lord, sometimes that's all it is, is just a part of our life. And we will let many other things, good and bad, get bigger than that. And get more significant to us than that. Lord, I pray for each of us that nothing would impact or direct tomorrow more than the truth that you love us. Lord, guide us into how that truth should affect my personality and how I deal with issues and how I respond to people, my outlook. God, may we truly be awed that you love us. Father, we come before you now and just have a a moment of rest in your presence. Lord, I'm sure people have come in here today rejoicing and excited. There are some who've come in here today on the inside weeping, very anxious, very concerned. Lord, wherever we are, I pray that we find you in that. We rejoice in you. We hold on to you. We wait on you. God, would you be for each person in this room what they need right now? A moment of comfort, an answer, healing. God, would you be wisdom and guidance and provision? Would you be their hope? God, would you speak to each heart and say just what needs to be said so that they know how deeply they are loved by you? We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it has been quite a couple of weeks uh, watching our government, hasn't it? Just makes you proud, doesn't it? You know, I think the last couple of weeks, it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat. You just think, good gosh, I don't think anybody up there knows what they're doing. It is quite a mess they are making of things right now and watching them try to, to sort through that. I tell you, it's, uh, we're at an interesting time in life. I think every generation goes through a time when they think, you know, this is a, a defining moment for us, a challenge, a fear, a trial. I think our generation is at just such a moment when you look at what we're dealing with in our culture and it's not just uh, one issue it's multiple issues it's it's severe in all of them I mean pick your crisis I mean our, our, we're at a war in which the end has become very confusing we, we live in a situation here with Wall Street where I don't think anybody understands what's going on other than there's a whole lot of greed and a lot of really bad politics going on we know that you know, we, we live in a world in which we're told to be utterly afraid of our environment. It's going to implode on us any, any day now. We've got a housing bubble that has popped and is, is causing economic destruction everywhere that we look. I mean, it's really kind of a, a sky is falling thing going on right now. And, you know, although it doesn't make the papers and wasn't in the, the news this week, folks, I think our culture is facing at least one, maybe two or three different moral issues that are right on the verge of exploding. I mean, I really do believe it's kind of a mess right now in our society. And what's really interesting is I think a lot of Americans don't care. I mean, they care. 
I mean, they watch the news and think, oh, my gosh, that's that's awful. What are we going to do? What are they going to do? Maybe we even pray about it a little bit. But we don't really care because the truth is we're so overwhelmed by the crises in our own home, in our own lives. I mean, I can't even begin to start to list the number of things that any one individual in this room or throughout our society is dealing with. But I think so many people are dealing with so many things that while society is crumbling around them, I don't got time to think about that. I got my own problems. Man, it's just a mess. Just kind of makes you want to watch TV and hope it goes all away, doesn't you? But but it's not going to do that, is it? As a matter of fact, as we look at our government and some of the issues in our culture, I think if we've seen anything over the last couple of weeks, pretending there's no problem is not going to fix anything. It just means the crash is going to be bigger when it happens. So what do we do? Well, I think that's part of the frustration. I think whether we're looking at our culture or whether we're looking at our own lives, sometimes the answer seems so complex. And, and it seems to involve so much change oh, i'm back to just watching tv until it goes away <laughs> that's not the answer is it no we know what the answer is you know what the answer is you know what at least what you expect to hear the answer is when you come in here the answer is jesus christ every single thing you watched on the news this week the answer is jesus everything you're dealing with in your home and in your personal life right now, the answer is Jesus, and He is the Master of clarity. Want to know exactly what to do? Where to go? How to get there? Jesus is your man. Would you look with me this morning at John chapter 14? John chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some under the chairs. Maybe there's one right in front of you or maybe at least within a couple of chairs you point to it. Somebody, will, I'm sure, will hand it to you. We want everybody to be able to read and study along with us. John chapter 14. This is my 14th message. I went back and added them up today. Uh, this is my 14th message in the Gospel of John. Yes, we are going to finish. Uh, we got a couple of more messages to go. We've studied so far seven signs performed in the Gospel of John that John revealed that Jesus did that point to who and what he is. We're studying seven I am statements where Jesus reveals who and what he is for you. And we're going to finish with seven eyewitnesses. Seven people who are going to give an eyewitness account to who and what Jesus Christ is. Today we come and look at the sixth I am statement that Jesus made. We find it here in John chapter 14. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way where I am going. Lord Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes some very, uh, a very profound statement here and calls on us to not be troubled. 
You see that? Those very first words in verse 1? You must not be troubled. Well, that's great, Lord. I'd love not to be troubled. But have you looked around lately, Lord? I mean, do you see what's going on in our culture? Do you know what's going on in my life? You know what, folks? He does know what's going on. He knows what's going on in the United States. He knows what's going on inside your home. He knows what's going on inside your life. And he utterly understands He absolutely understands. And yes, in the midst of all that, his word for you this morning is do not be troubled. You know, when he makes that statement here to these disciples, they're troubled. They're troubled. As a matter of fact, if you look back at the end of chapter 13 and kind of look at what was going on there, here's this little band of brothers, these very close friends. And Jesus has just told them before morning gets here, one of you is going to betray me. Before morning gets here, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Now, folks, when Jesus makes comments like that, that's going to send a shockwave through that group. They're they're very close friends. They've walked together for three years. And and Peter, I mean, after Jesus, Peter's kind of the, the leader of the group. They kind of lean on him. I mean, there's a reason they call him Peter. Peter means the rock. Peter, you can count on Peter. He's he's the rock. He's going to deny the Lord. Now, of course, you start maybe doing the math and you're thinking, well, wait, wait a minute. What's going to happen to our group tonight? What is going to happen to us that, that somebody's going to betray and, and Peter's going to deny he even knows Jesus? What's getting ready to happen to us? And of course, Jesus is talking here about his impending departure. He's going to leave them and he's he's going to a place and they're not going to be able to follow. I mean, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm saying, wait a minute, Lord, what are you talking about? You're leaving. Lord, I've given three years of my life to following you. I left my home and and my business. I've left everything to follow you. You're just going to up and leave? And you're telling me I can't go where you're going right now? I'd be upset. And you know what? They don't know the half of what is about to happen. They're not even aware that within a matter of hours, Jesus is going to be violently arrested and violently executed. And it is in the context of this evening, it's in the context of these events that Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. How? How, Lord, when my world is absolutely caving in all around me, when it seems like nothing could possibly get any worse, how, how am I not supposed to let my heart be troubled? Jesus says, trust in God, trust in me. Do you notice the parallel structure there? This is a very profound moment here. Jesus saying, trust in God. Now, we know that, man. The Old Testament tells us to trust in God. And and God calls us to trust in Him. But now, that statement, trust in God, trust in me. You see, to trust in Jesus is to trust in God. To trust in God is to trust in Jesus. To trust in one is to trust in both. You know, it's one thing for, for Jesus to say, you trust in God. Trust in the God of old. That God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That God of Moses who walked with him as he parted through the Red Sea. That God of David as he slew the giant. That God we're supposed to trust in. But Jesus is standing before him saying, I'm that God. As you trusted in him, you trust in me. I'm God. Very 
profound moment right here. Now, as Jesus calls for this trust, he points them to the future. We see that in verses two through four. He points them to the future. Folks, a big part of trusting in God, a big part of dealing with a troubled heart is to focus on the future. God is preparing a place for me. God has a spot for me in heaven. And Jesus himself is coming back to get me and usher me there personally himself. We are to focus on that when we've got a troubled heart. You know what? I tend to be an optimistic person. I think that's somewhat of a, a personality thing. I, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I think things will work out. All these things we've seen on the news, I, I, I think we'll figure out answers. Might create some problems along the way, but I, I think we'll keep rolling. I think it'll work out. I don't know that. I don't know that that's going to happen. But that's just I tend to think things will work out. But biblically speaking, ultimately things are not going to work out. I mean, ultimately, we are going to arrive at a day where one crisis is going to lead to another crisis is going to lead to another crisis. And this world will implode. Because God's going to judge it. He's going to bring his wrath. Ultimately, this entire planet will burn. Ultimately, we're not heading to a good day. We're heading to a bad day. And not only theologically, biblically, do we see that ultimately things are going to get worse. That's true in our personal lives, too, isn't it? I mean, some of you are dealing with issues right now, and you know what? It's going to work out. An answer will come. It'll, it'll get resolved. Uh, some, may, some of you may change this week. But you know what? Some of us in here might be dealing with an issue right now, and man, you're thinking this has got to be the very bottom. It can't get any worse. Well, reality tells me it, it, it actually can get worse. It actually can get worse. And so when we're thinking about the fact that ultimately this planet's not heading to good news. When I look into my life and I see it could still get worse. What Jesus said is focus on the fact an answer is coming. The ultimate answer. Folks, ultimately the answer is God returning to this planet. Ultimately the answer is God coming for me. You know, all prayer requests, every single prayer request in your entire life ultimately is answered when Jesus returns. And until he returns, we might get the answer we want. We might get an answer that fixes things up for a moment, but it's not ultimately going to take care of this planet. Ultimately, an answer is coming. So when my heart is troubled, I'm looking up and I'm reminding myself that answer is in place. That answer is being planned and it is on the way. I focus on the future. Now, you know what? I think a lot of us in here believe that. We believe in heaven. We believe Jesus is coming back. We believe that is the answer to everything. But we might look at this and say, now, I'm fine with that. And yeah, it gives me a little hope, gives me a little boost. But but what do I actually do between now and then? I mean, the Lord, you might return at four o'clock today. It might be another 400 years before he returns. But between this very moment and when that happens, because I do got a problem. Our nation does have a problem. How do I get through that? How do I deal with that until that future comes? And Jesus answers that question in response to a question by Thomas. I'm grateful for Thomas. Aren't you glad for that guy who will say the dumbest thing in the world so you don't have to say it? You know, who will look really bad? You know, and you think, oh, I wouldn't have said anything like that. What's the answer? 
That's what Thomas does for us here. Because Thomas jumps up and says, uh, you know, time out, Lord. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know where you're going. I don't know what you're talking about. And it's not providing any direction for me at all. I think, gosh, what? I'm thinking, thank you, Thomas. Because <laughs> that's what I was thinking. And Jesus says to him in maybe one of the most well-known passages in Scripture, Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father. And ultimately, folks, that's the answer. The answer comes. The answer, everything is fixed. Everything is fulfilled. Everything is right when we're standing there before God. And Jesus says, nobody gets there without going through me. I am the way. Jesus is the way. That's really the key word. There's three ideas there, but the key one is Jesus saying, I am the way. You know, that word way is that the idea of a bridge or a connector. I, I'm standing here. I'm at point A and I want to get to point B. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the connection. I'm the direction. I'm the path for you to get to point B. I, I'm standing here and, and you know, I, I'm a sinner and I've, and I've done things wrong. And I know that in my heart. I know I'm not ready to go to heaven. I, I know I'm not ready to stand before God. I can't imagine that's going to be good for me if I try to make some case for why I deserve to be in heaven. And Jesus says, you want to get to God? You want to get to heaven? I'm the way. Go through me. I'm the path. And often when we preach on this passage, think on this passage, we think in that big, that big picture, those eternal issues. But you know, when Jesus says, I'm the way, he's talking about all problems. He's talking about all issues in life. He's talking about everything that you want. You know, I'm standing right here. I want a better marriage. How do I get to the marriage God designed? How do I get to the marriage God wants? It's over there at B, and I'm sitting here pointing. Jesus says, I'm the way. Take me. Take me as a bridge to the marriage that you want. Take me as a bridge to the finances that you want. Take me as a bridge to, the, to dealing with the government and dealing with the nation that you live in. I am the way. And then Jesus says, I'm the truth. What that word means? has the idea behind it of reliability, accuracy. So in other words, when Jesus says, you're standing here today, you want to go to B, and I'm saying I'm the way, he says, and you'll find that way to be reliable. You'll find that way to be accurate. If you say, you know what, I'm going to try Jesus' way. Most of my other ways are making a real mess of things right now. So I get out there, and I start to wonder, now is this way going to work? Jesus is saying, when you get on that bridge, it can hold the weight. When you get on that bridge, it can handle the issue. When you get out there and it gets tough, I promise you, my way works. It works for everybody in every situation, in every time period. It works. It's reliable. It's accurate. And you know, when you get to the other side of the bridge and you're looking for those finances or that marriage or that government or eternal life, you know what Jesus says you're going to find? Life. Life. You know, a lot of times when we're looking for the way, I just want to survive. I, I, I just want to make it. You know what? That's not God's will for you. God's big plan for you is not to go, well, I got through it and it didn't hurt too bad. And God's not just trying to get you to a place where you survive, to a place where you exist. He's trying to get you to a place where there's life, abundance, meaning, purpose, passion. God has for you life. And when you get to that life, it's the life you want when you stand before God which ultimately is the answer. That's where we're going. I want to be able to stand before God. And Jesus says, I am that way. Do you trust that? 
You know what? I bet if we had a show of hands right now. And I said, do you trust that Jesus Christ is the way to God? I bet if we were all being honest, I bet we'd get 85, 90, 95 percent. Absolutely. I believe Jesus is the way. Believe that with all my heart. Now, what I would like to do for the rest of our time this morning is I want to put a little flesh. I want to put some feet to this idea of trusting that Jesus is the way. Because I think if we were to say, yes, I trust Jesus is the way. Really, how many of you are living his way? Oh, yeah, well, it might not be quite as high as 95%. Folks, listen to me. To trust that he is the way means we live his way. You can't separate the two. You can't say, I trust in Jesus. I'm not living the way that he actually marked out for me to live, but I trust he's the way. You, you can't say that. Saying, well, does, does Jesus actually give us a way? Yes, he does. For every issue in your life. You bring up any issue, his way in and through and around that issue is in Scripture. Well, let's think about some of these things we've already talked about this morning. How about the government? I mean, I, we're, we're getting ready to elect our leaders. We're going to be voting and, and, and we're dealing with all this news. What is to be our attitude, our mindset? What are my actions in a nation like this? When a government like we're dealing with right now, does God have a way for me in that? Yeah, he sure does. He says, here's the bridge. Matthew 22, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Now, yes, the context of that passage is about paying taxes. Jesus says, yes, give to the government their taxes. But I think we can take that up and we can, we can blow that passage up a little bit and get a bigger idea. Give to the government what it's due. You should be, Jesus is saying, my way for you is to be a good citizen, is to be a, a patriot. You're, you are to honor your leaders, you're to respect your leaders, you're to obey the laws, you're to vote. The government, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. The government says vote. Folks, we're to vote. That that's Jesus' way for me in this world. Think of all the nations that don't get that opportunity. We get to do that. Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Romans 13, the scripture tells us that we are to respect, we are to submit to our leaders. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we're told to pray for our leaders. So I'm watching all this news, any news, you're for it or you're against it, you're for the leader, you're against the leader, you're, whatever the case, what's God's way for me as I look at this, as I watch this, as I live in it? His way for me is to be a good citizen. A Christian is a good citizen, and a good citizen is somebody who obeys the laws, respects the leaders, and prays for those leaders. Oh, yeah, oh, okay, I, yeah, I, I guess I knew that. But what's that going to do? You know, it doesn't matter if you can figure out what it's going to do. That's his way. He didn't say add to it. He didn't say figure out another way or a better way. No, his way is the truth. It's absolutely accurate, absolutely reliable. That is the way we are to take as believers in this nation. And it will lead to the life that we want. How about marriage? Talked about marriage. Man, a lot of people would stand here pointing at, I want a better marriage. I want a more fulfilling marriage. What do we do? Well, you know what? Jesus gives us a way. Jesus says in, in Matthew 19, he says the two, they're no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, do not separate. 
Hey, do you talk to your mate in a way that separates? Because Jesus said, my way for you is don't do anything that separates what God has joined together. Do you act towards your mate in a way that separates, that throws up a wall? That's not Jesus' way. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Ephesians 5.33 says, To sum it up, Husbands, love your wives as yourself. Wives, respect your husbands. And that's just three passages. There's a lot of passages that give us very clear definition, a very clear way of how we're to act in our marriage. Of course, we look at those passages and we look at our mates. I'm not doing that. Oh, no, I'm not doing it. If I do that, they'll take advantage of me. You know, if I, they're not doing it for me. No, no, it, God's way is not going to work here. I'm not going to do God's way. What I'm saying is I don't trust your way, God. As a matter of fact, I've been looking through Red Book this week, and I think Red Book's mapped out a pretty good, a pretty good path for me. In marriage, or I was, I was watching Des- uh, Desperate Housewives the other night, and I think they've got a they've got a pretty good idea on marriage. I think that's the way. Or you know what? I was talking to some friends at work the other day, and they told me this is what you should do. I mean, folks, you laugh. This is where most people are getting their direction on marriage, or the best direction of all. <laughs> myself, who's smarter than me? I've got a way. This is the way I'm going to take. Now, folks, if you take your way all i can say to you is good luck and you know what i actually think it's wrong to say good luck i'm one of those i don't believe in saying good luck my my life is not in the hands of some mysterious fate or mysterious force hopefully it turns out good for you man my life's in the hands of god i don't pray to luck i pray to god but you see, here's what happens. If I choose to say, you know, God's told me to, to forgive my maid and to serve my maid and to love my... No, I'm not doing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the Red Book route. I, I'm going to go the Desperate Housewives route. I'm going to go what all my co-workers told me route. When you step on that path, you are, listen to me, completely alone. God's not going with you. Folks, I'm utterly overwhelmed at how many believers... Talk to me about taking paths in life that are absolutely contradictory to Scripture. What did Jesus say? What did he say here? Mine says, no one comes to the Father but through me. If I don't go the way Jesus is marked out, I'm not going to the Father. And the Father's not going to come over and bless and provide and heal and help on a path when I've rejected the path he laid out for me. And so we, we, we go on our own path, we reject God's path, and then you know what we do? We say, you know what, God hasn't been good for me. God abandoned me. I have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And you know what, I don't think God's answering my prayers. I don't think God makes any difference at all. Now, never mind, we're living on a path that's absolutely contradictory to the path he marked out. And then we wonder, and we say, God failed. No, I made a choice. That's what happened. I said, God, I don't want your path for me. I'm going to go over here. And I'm going to try this path. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said, I am the way. It's reliable. It's accurate. It's trustworthy. And it will lead to the life you want. How about our finances? Gosh, we talk about all we have on our right now. I, I think we agreed to paying like billions and billions of dollars back here. I really need to know what God's path on finances is. 
Well, you know what? I can go back to a passage I've already quoted. Matthew chapter 22. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Give to God what is God's. Folks, again, notice the parallel structure there. In the same way that we give to the government, that's the same way that we give to God. Now, who determines what we give to the government? Usually the government. I tried this once. I sent a note and I said, you know, I'm really proud of you guys. I think you're doing a great job. This year I want to pitch in 2%. They, they didn't like my letter. They said, no, we've got in another amount for you. No, the government determines what I owe. Give to Caesar what Caesar determines. And then Jesus makes an absolutely symmetrical statement. Give to God what is God's. Now, he doesn't say an amount there, but what would everybody in his audience that he was speaking to would have understood when he said that? Oh, they would have understood an amount because it's all the way through Scripture. You give the tithe, 10%. As a matter of fact, Scripture says that 10% is to be given first. The first thing I do with a paycheck is give God 10%. Now, if I choose to do something other than that, I'm saying, God, I reject your path. I'm going to go over here and live on my path. And then, lo and behold, you know what? I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and God just doesn't provide. God just doesn't, doesn't take care. No, Jesus had a way. And I said, no, I'm going to go another way. And we wonder why we're in the financial mess we are. Or maybe we got all the finances in the world, but we still have insecurity. Boy, talk about insecurity. Is this week a great illustration of this next verse? What does the Scripture say? Do not trust in the uncertainty of wealth. Trust in God. Money comes and goes. Money changes it. Sometimes I got a whole bunch, and sometimes I can't find anything. That's never true with God. I've always got all of God that I want. Trust in God. Folks, pick the issue. Pick the problem, personal, family, national. God has a way. Well, I, I, you know, if, if I do that, I don't, I don't see how that's going to make it. It's not for you to see how it's going to make a difference. Jesus said it's reliable. It works. So we stand here in front of this bridge. That, Man, do I take that step? Do I go his way? Too many people, I think, are saying no. Too many people who say, oh, I trust in Jesus. Folks, I think we've reduced trusting in Jesus to, to some kind of warm, fuzzy feeling when we look at his picture. Oh, I love the Lord. Oh, I trust the Lord. Now, now, very little of my life this week will look like I'm on the path that he's marked out. But I, I trust him. You know, quite often when you hear this passage preached, it's about eternal issues, about salvation, isn't it? You know, it's about being saved. Jesus said, I am the way to God. I am the truth of God. I am the life of God. And we're called to put our, our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and to walk through the bridge of Jesus. We trust His perfect life that He lived for us and that's going to be credited to our account. We trust in His death for us on the cross. That wipes out all my debt before God. I'm declared righteous and holy. I'm adopted into God's family as a child of God because I took the way of Jesus. Many, if not most of us in this room, have done that. But folks, my challenge today is, how do we say that we trust Jesus for eternal issues, but we don't trust Him to make daily decisions? We don't trust Him. We say, oh, I absolutely trust the path God has for me for all eternity, but I'm not taking His path today. 
Folks, if that's what's happening in your life, then you don't trust that he is the way. And if you don't trust that he's on the way, then you're not on the way to the father. Because there is no other way. Look at it one more time right there at the end of verse six. No one, no one, no one. Comes to the father. To my father's answers, to my father's life, to my father's blessings, to my father's way, to my father's heaven. Nobody comes but through me. And everything you are dealing with this week, everything you will deal with this week. Listen to me. Jesus has a way. He has a way. Shouldn't I wake up one morning and say, hey, what's your way in this, Lord? Jesus has a way. Do you trust him? Or maybe the more appropriate question is, are you living his way? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to live your way. Father, I sure want to, and I I believe most of us in here, we... Lord, when I talk about problems and issues, there are very concrete, very specific things that are going through everybody's mind right now. They know what they're dealing with. They know what's happening. And they want a way out. They want an answer. They want hope. They want healing. They want it fixed. They want it provided for. They want it changed. Lord, would you help us to connect the dots here? And realize it's not just saying, God, fix it. It's taking your path to the fix. It's taking your path to the answer. And that fix, that answer, that way has a name. It's Jesus. God, I would pray for us that we would never wake up another morning. That some of the first words are out of our mouth are not Jesus. What's your way for me in this today? And we go to your word and we let you speak. God, we want to be a people guided by your way because you're reliable. You're trustworthy. Your life. And we want this eternal choice that we've made for you to show up every day in how we live. And we need your help. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.